RadioInfluence.com. Hey gang, welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast. Today I'm going to get a chance to talk to my good friend Captain Glenn Taylor. Uh, many, many years uh, of experience on this guy. Really an incredible offshore, nearshore, and inshore fisherman. A great tarpon fisherman, permit fisherman. Uh, just really, really a neat guy. A big personality, lots of knowledge, lots of energy. Uh, I think this is going to be a really, really great podcast. I'm really looking forward to doing it. Again, the Real Animals Podcast presented by Contender Boats. Hope you enjoy this one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast. Uh, today's guest, uh, somebody who has absolutely opened my eyes to a whole new world of fishing offshore, one of the best on the west coast of Florida Captain Glenn Taylor. GT, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, Mike. How about yourself, buddy? You know what? I cannot complain, man. Just getting a chance to uh, to sit here and, and, and interview, spend some time talking to a lot of the best of the best in Florida here uh, and around the country is a, is a pretty, it's a pretty tough gig, but I'll try to, uh, I'll try to do it. I'll, I'll just try to do the best I can. So it's all good stuff. And you're the perfect one for it, Mike. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, um, You've been guiding for a little over 20 years. Is that right? 20, 26 years now. 26 Can you believe years. That? 26 20. I've been doing this. Yeah, I'm at, nine, <laughs> I'm at 19 years. It blows my mind. Yeah, blows my mind. So how does, how does Captain Glenn Taylor, how does it happen? How did, how did you get started guiding here on Florida's West Coast? Tell me the story. Well, I was born and raised in Virginia, and I was raised in a fish camp. So really the only skill that I ever had was fishing or taking somebody out fishing. I think I started guiding, it seems like when I was about seven or eight years old. <laughs> I, you know, a camper would come into our fish camp. They would go out fishing. They wouldn't catch anything. Me and a couple of my friends, I mean, I'm six, seven, eight years old with my first boat. We were running out of the Chesapeake Bay, and we were catching a bunch of flounder and trout and all. And my father was like, you know what? You're taking him fishing tomorrow. I'm like, Dad, I don't want to do that. Took him fishing the next day, showed him how to fish and whatnot. And uh, they gave me a little bit of money, and then they became a permanent camper over at our fish camp. Oh, that nice. basically was the of my fishing career, about six years old. And then I went to um, went to college, and then when I graduated, yeah, I was thinking, you know what, I'm going to go and continue my fishing, because I was pretty good at it. And I really didn't know where I was going to go, so I had, like, Southern California. I had Florida circled, and then I had the Carolinas in Virginia, where I'm from, circled. And wherever I was going to get a job, that's where I was going, and uh, the Lord blessed me with uh, coming to Tampa Bay. And that was, uh, golly, that was back in 1990. And then I just started fishing straight from there. But so it's a lot of similarities from Chesapeake Bay to, you know, Tampa Bay. That's, that's how I got my start. That's interesting yeah. to me. I got here, I got to Florida. Uh, I drove across, across the Florida border uh, into Florida January 1st, 1990. So it's interesting that uh, we both arrived here in Florida in 1990. That's pretty cool. Must have been a good year. Yeah, same yeah, the exact same time, too, because I got here. It was I graduated in the fall, and that was like December 25th or something. So then I came down right in January 1st. As soon as I graduated, wow. I moved on down. Said, you know, as the good Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, I don't think I'm going to leave today. <laughs> right. I hear you. So what would you study in college, Glenn? Marketing. Marketing. Yeah, the marketing. I, I, I went in there for engineering. That didn't work. Then I went into a veterinary medicine. 
that didn't work. And then I found out I had a gift for gab and uh, the marketing was a lot easier. <laughs> so seven years later, I got my marketing degree. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, brother. I ran out, you know what I mean? Hey, I least, kept on changing career least, after career. They finally said, pick one because the money's done. <laughs> at least you got one, dude. That's uh, that's all there yeah. is to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, so I, did, I go we get a freaking and I fish. Growing up where you grew up, um, obviously, you know, you talked about flounder and trout, so there's obviously a, 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 a inshore fishery there. Right. But ever since I've known you, you've been kind of an offshore guru. So how did that, yeah, all, well, how did that all come about? It was, um, you can only catch so many trout and flounder and redfish, with all due respect for everybody that loves to do that, and um, because it was so seasonal in Virginia. So you had like eight or nine more months that would come by, and we wouldn't really catch anything. So my brother had a, a marina, and he was like a Johnson Evinrude Yamaha dealer, and uh, these guys were coming in and out, and they were going offshore out of a place called Watchapraig. And, I mean, Watch Prague was just a great fishery. And then I just got hooked on the white marlin, the big-eye tuna, the bluefin tuna, and uh, and the blue marlin. And once you start doing that, that's really hard to come back to the bay. So when I was uh, 15 years old, I grabbed my three-wheeler, me and a buddy of mine. We hooked up my boat, and my boat was like a 14-foot wooden skiff with a 7.5-horsepower Johnson on it. We put three tanks of fuel in there, and I ran out to the 17-mile fingers, it was called. And um, I sat there the night before, and I painted a cedar plug. So I painted it red and white, and I said, you know what? This is going to be my bait, and I'm going to troll it. We left my, my fish camp about 4 in the morning, got to watch a prank probably around 6. We launched that little skiff on my three-wheeler. We had to tape it down to the back of my three-wheeler. The headlight was three flashlights taped together on, <laughs> on, my, on my bike. That, and we, we snuck around the back roads. Until we got to the uh, to the marina there in Watchapraig, Virginia, and then we launched that boat. And sure enough, man, on that 17 mile hill, that cedar plug went down. There was a big swirl, and I think it, it took us seven hours before another boat came up to us, and we jumped on the back of his boat. That name of that boat was called the Fin Seeker, and we hooked this blue fin tuna right off the bat. And it was probably 7:15, 7:30 in the morning, and he ate that cedar plug that I painted red and white. Big swirl. Boom, down he went. Now, I'm in a 14-foot boat at wow. 17 miles off the Atlantic, right? <laughs> we had to wear shoes because it would leak so bad, you have to bail it. You know, we, it was a wooden boat. <laughs> we were bailing this thing with a seven-and-a-half-horsepower Johnson, man. And I got that thing wide open trying to pull this fish the other way. So seven hours later, the fin seeker said, you boys look like you need a lot of help. That's seven hours on that fish, Mike. That's oh, a long time. Buddy. That's a long time. We wow. jumped on that boat. We leadered to fish. It was too big to get him in, and uh, we hoisted him up in that boat. And he was five hundred and like fifty-seven pounds. Was how big that uh, bluefin <laughs> tuna was. I got back to watch a preg. My parents were so mad at me because mm. they never even knew we were. I'll bet. Mm -mm. Yeah. I mean, I I beaming from ear to ear. You know, you couldn't tell me anything. Thirteen, fourteen <laughs> years old, five hundred fifty pound bluefin in my own boat. Yeah, I got beat. None of this. <laughs> go to your broom. Go to timeout. I got beat. But I would. I mean, that was the whooping I would. Uh, I would gladly take. But that's how it was. I mean, we would go out there, get the big tuna, the bluefin tuna, the big eye tuna, the blue marlins, and then when I came down here, the best, you know, for me, the fight wise was the tarpon. I mean, that was the closest fish that I could relate to. You know, and then, you know, we get some makers down here, but up there we catch a few makers too. So that's kind of what I focused on when I got here. I wanted to fight the biggest, baddest fish that we have 
and the tarpon really jumped up on the top of the list. Because as you know, man, going out to get blue marlin here is a long run. Yeah, I guess yeah. those guys are doing it this weekend, right? There's a loop tournament this weekend or something yeah, like that somewhere? Is. Yep, yep. There's a loop tournament. Actually, Mike Mahoney asked me to go with him, um, and I couldn't break away. But, yeah, I think he was leaving yesterday, I believe. To go out. To go out, yeah, to head yeah. that way. Yeah. Fishing out there if you have the boat. Not a 14-foot John boat no, like I did, man. No. That was but, um, you know, that's world-class fishing out there, out in the steps, in the elbow where those guys are going. So it's just, you know, it's what I like to do, pull on big fish and whatnot. And, you know, when you're in the area, you got to adapt. I mean, if I could fish for blue marlin and makos every day here in Tampa Bay, I would. But that's just not, you know, it's not possible. So right. I just, you know, tar- season comes, I fish for tarpon permit. And now we've been grouper fishing. And, you know, during American Red Snapper season, we went out there and had a ball, caught a couple sailfish out there. But, uh... You know, we just adapt to what we have, and we have a wonderful fishery here. It's a lot different, but it's a wonderful fishery. Well, it really, is. I enjoy. You got partnered up with a really interesting guy, um, <laughs> uh, Billy Captain Billy is uh, is quite the piece of work. Your uh, regular uh, partner there, Harmer Billy Farmer, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. I mean, tell me about that a little bit. How you two ended up being together. Well, Sea Farmer and I, we had been fishing, you know, out of O'Neill's Marina probably for about 25 years. Okay. And he was more on the commercial side of it, and I was more on the charter side. I didn't do any commercial fishing at the time. But we would never leave the marina without talking to Sea Farmer, old Bill Harmon, saying, hey, man, what are you finding? Even if I was on a hot bite, I mean, I don't care if I was going out there and I was smoking the, the mangrove snapper, right, really catching some nice three- to five-pound fish, I would always go up to Sea Farmer and say, hey, What's going on in your world? Because you know what? It might change today, so I have to have that plan B. Sure. You, know, you run all the way offshore. You know, our average run offshore is 30 to 50 miles. You better have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Right. And my plan A is strong. Right? I mean, I'll put my plan A almost against anybody else's, you know, first plan. that I've been doing it. So, and my plan B isn't bad either. But after you get through plan A, plan B, then it gets a little bit, you know, <laughs> like a copy of a copy. It gets a little duller. So that's what I, you know, we would always go up there. And Bill's catches were just phenomenal. They really were. And we both like to snapper fish. So, you know what? It just became a natural. We'd see each other. we see each other. we see each other. And then we were like, you know what? I got a little old. I can't do it by myself anymore. He got real old. Like I said, I've been, I've been chartering here since, I mean, 26 years. I think Bill's been chartering in Tampa Bay before the advent of electricity. He really has. <laughs> right. He's seen the elephant, heard the owl. And, you know, that's what you always want to do is partner yourself with somebody that's as good, if not better than you, so you can learn from them. Yeah. And that's really where that relationship has um, has really grown. Because I thought I knew a lot, but, boy, was I humbled. Yeah. I mean, he shows me different things every single time. There's no experience, you know, experience is, a, is the number one thing out here. Right, you know, and he's out on the three hundred days a year. Three hundred. He, he's a fishy cat, and and for a yeah. man, I'm not even yeah. sure how old is Billy now. You know, that's a. I don't even know if he knows when his birthday was, but <laughs> I mean, I'm saying he's sixty five, sixty six years old, sixty seven years old. He got say, his first he, when he was twelve years old. Yeah, he's pretty close. I was going to say he's pretty close to seventy years old, and for him to be able to go offshore as many days in a row as he does and do what you guys do. That's insane to me. Totally insane. <laughs> I mean, that's insane, bro. I thought I, I, thought I was going to kill him during ARF season. I'll bet. You know, when we 
the 13th straight day, I look at him. I said, how was it last night? He's like, I had body cramps. And then it just cracks me up when he's telling me about his body cramps. We'll be sitting there and his whole body will cramp right up. And I'm like, drink something, man. When you get back, we're going to give you an IV. You know, we got to go again tomorrow. But he's as tough and as salty. I mean, if you put yellow on him, I mean, he looks like the Gordon's fisherman. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody that you could look at and determine right away that he's a, you know, a true old salt like he is. Yeah. And that's what he is. He's a true commercial. Telling me stories when he was 12 years old, he'd be standing on a pylon with one leg with a mullet net in his hand, waiting for the school of mullet to come by, and then he would throw off the pylon. That's what they would do. Wow. I mean, <laughs> just crazy yeah. stuff. So it really worked well. Um, you know, we, we combined our, you know, my knowledge, his knowledge, and, uh, we got his Intrepid, and we redid the 32 Intrepid, and we got my 27-foot Calcutta boat so we can go near shore, offshore. And it was just, you know, nobody really wants to work anymore. It's hard to get in. I'm sure you're familiar with this, too, to get a good mate. You know, it works out well for a while and whatnot, but really all the good mates I know already have great jobs, and it's very, very tough to find one. Yeah. So when Bill and I saw each other, I was like, man, let's just get a partner. That way you get two captains on the boat. Right. Right. And we're both show up. We got to. Well, and you're both you're so both just, you're both very personable, good, nice people to boot. So the customers are going to have a big old time. And if there's ever a day that one of you is a little tired or a little down or not completely on your A game, it's always good to have a great partner that can pick you up on those days when you know you're fighting a head cold or God only knows the, the, the multitudes of things we go through uh, in life. It's nice to have a great partner like that. And I'm a big billy harmer fan he's just been a really really classy great guy to me always friendly always talking likes to bust my stones a little bit which uh i give him points for i think that's pretty funny so uh he's a good dude you guys make a good team oh i appreciate that he said one of the most compelling statements to me a few years ago when we started this and he says glenn i want to make sure you and i are on the same page and i was like talk to me bill he goes this is the way i approach the customers that are coming on the boat he says, for me, you guys are coming on our boat, and you're paying us to take you fishing. What an honor and a privilege. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the area doesn't see it that way, and they think that, you know, you being able to fish with that captain is a privilege and an honor. And we really, truly turn that around, and we just we can't thank our clients enough. You know, I've been doing it for over 25 years, the repeat business and whatnot, but it's truly our honor to be able to fish with these guys that they give us their hard-earned money which isn't easy to come by you know and then not even the money the time that we get to spend with them eight ten twelve hours out on a boat it really is an honor for us and it, it opened my eyes looking at it that way and so when i am getting on the boat and you say like i got a head cold or on my back is hurting or something as soon as i get on the deck and i look at it that way in that light everything goes away yeah it makes sense everything yeah you know welcome and let's go have a great time. Well, positive, and that's what I, you know. positive outlook. You know, feeding yourself positive yeah. thoughts all the time is, is always the best way to go. You know, I know you're a, a very spiritual guy as well, as am I. And, uh, you know, yeah. the, good, the good Lord has blessed us with the opportunity to have a pretty beautiful office uh, on a daily basis or a couple times a week at least. And uh, that's pretty special. There's no doubt. There isn't, uh, it's not a job that everybody gets to go do. So it's pretty cool doing this job without faith i mean think about it no matter how good of a bite that you're on whether you know the gag group or the bite that i've been on here the last three weeks has been just epic your snook redfish have been great but we still have to have faith and i'm going to take this client 
that spent a lot of money. And you know how hyped up they are. You see it in their eyes on the dock. I mean, wild eyes. They're ready to go. That's <laughs> the biggest fish of their life. We're going. I don't care what the wind's doing. I don't want to hear the current. I don't want to hear the tide. Or I don't want to hear the baits or anything. I'm going out there, and I'm going to have a great time catching monster fish. You have to have faith, even if you're doing it day in and day out, that when you take these guys, it's going to happen and repeat again. I mean, yeah, the study goes into it, and the experience goes into it. And that's, I mean, I truly believe a faithful person is a better fisherman. But, you know, it's the next bait. You're going to get that bite, whether you're tarpon fishing, marlin fishing, tuna fishing. Everybody thinks that next fresh bait they're putting down there or the fly or the artificial is going to get bit. And that's what gets us to come back. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Let's talk about permit a little bit. Um, I think that uh, in my fishing here on the west coast of Florida, um, and, and most of my better permit fishing I've done to the south, because I, I do a lot of it during tarpon season, uh, when the tarpon bite wouldn't be so good in Boca Grande. Uh, the fish just weren't chewing good a lot of times, especially if I had the right crabs. On a beautiful day, you're like, hey, you want to change gears? Go catch a permit. We'd run offshore and and hit. Uh, I've got a lot of great numbers down there. Uh, and I've had the opportunity. You and I have shot a permit show here uh, near Tampa Bay, and it was epic. You're very, very good at it. What are what are some of the tips for people that want to become a better permit fisherman, Glenn? What do you think people miss you know, when they're trying to catch that incredible fish? Well, you know, with the permits, to me, what's so funny about it is it's such a royalty fish, right? I mean, if you're down in the Keys, you know, it's, I mean, they, they put those fish up on the highest pedestal. And I don't know if they get the same respect here, but from a, from a few people, we certainly put them, you know, in royalty on those fish. The, the thing that's so funny about those fish, they're so royal, they're so special, but yet you can catch them almost on any type of public reef that we have. So a fish that's so great, so special, you can catch them on, on, on numbers that are listed. You know, I mean, these new machines that I get, I mean, almost every wreck is out there that's on there. Right. So that's kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's not like we're going for a black grouper where we're going to have a two-foot rise, and at the end of this one ledge, at an, in 135 feet, you better anchor up properly, and if you drop the first bait right in his nose, you're going to get it. I mean, the, the skill level for finding the fish is pretty easy with the permit. Now, catching them and bringing them into the boat, it's a lot different, but that's really what makes them special. And then I also get a kick when they, you know, people go out to a wreck or something, they're like, man, we saw these giant jacks swimming around in the circle. We threw everything at them, but they wanted to eat. <laughs> what was up with that? I've never seen a jack not eat. I'm like, really? There's, where is all them jacks at? Go right out there, you know, and the other thing is they're so specific on their, on their uh, diet, you know, crabs or shrimp. Right. So that kind of makes it kind of special in the thing. So that's another thing that you don't have to go cast net. You don't have to be able to throw a 12 foot triple load net and pancake it and get these big, beautiful baits. You can run to the bait shop, you know, and get um, five dozen special shrimp. And they really respond well to the shrimp. You can sight cast them. You can catch them in the mid water column. You can chum them into the boat. I mean, there's a number of, of things that make this epic royal fish very accessible to the average angler. And I think that kind of makes it special. I've kind of like tarpon. I've caught them on the beach. I mean, you can catch, right. you can catch permit on the beach. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. people just don't know to look for them. And they don't, you know, they don't, like you said, they see them and think, you know, a school of jacks just swam by the boat. Uh, and they don't realize that they're, uh, that they're permit. Yeah. Or they're going, you know, they don't want to go to a public wreck because, oh, it's a public wreck. It gets fished too hard, right? How many times you and I did a good show that time on that mangrove snapper? We went to, to one of the most popular wrecks in, in you know, St. Pete. 
people were trolling all around us, dropping big baits, and you and I were wearing out the 20-plus inch mangoes. I'm a public number, but just our technique was a little different than everybody else that was fishing it. Yeah. So yeah. don't. Don't overlook your public numbers, man. I mean, they hold a lot of fish if you know, you know, if you know the techniques to catch those fish. Head yeah. on a swivel, pay attention, right? Where did you learn a lot of those techniques? Is it just from trial and error, Glenn? I mean, is it something that you know you had a mentor that taught you? I mean, how do you how do you come up with all them tricks? You know, I, I've had a few guys over the years. Um, Probably the one that helped me out the most was a, was an older gentleman named Mr. Ray, and he's no longer with us. But that was flounder fishing. And what he instilled in me, it doesn't matter what fish that you're going after, just have a passion for it. And, you know, if you have a passion for anything, you're going to go get it. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. I was over, and they had the St. Pete Open last weekend, right? And it's one of the most exclusive spear fishing tournaments in the world. People go out there, and what they do, it's just amazing. They can dive so deep. So I run into one of the guys that are there, and they was like, Glenn, those gag grouper that you're catching in the bay, that's, that's incredible, man. He goes, hook me up. Give me a number. And I look at the guy, and I said, you know what? A man of your elk, and I know who you are, and I know what you like in life, and you go get it. I said, it wouldn't be mean so much more if you would go out there find the structure yourself and start catching them yourself instead of me just handing you the number. He cracked up. He's like, no, man, I want the number. I want the number. <laughs> but I said, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what to look for. And then you just figure it out on your own. You know, you're looking for the high relief and whatnot, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to go out there, scout. And that's what I really did. Trial and error. I've learned, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned on this grouper fishing that I'm doing in the Bay for years, I always thought the outgoing tide was my friend in the Bay. You know, if I'm tarpon fishing, if I'm permit fishing, even mangrove snapper fishing, I like the outgoer in the day. I wasn't getting the fish that I wanted, so I said, you know what? It's going against my instinct, but let me fish the incomer. As soon as I changed to the incoming tide, my catch ratio went through the roof. Don't know why. I don't know why it felt so strange to me to fish the incomer, right. which I was so programmed to always fish the bay and the outgoer, you know, especially on the negative loads or whatnot. All of a sudden, I switched my tactics. I said, what do I have to lose? I'm not catching the fish that I want to catch. We started doing it on the incomer, same techniques, and we started killing them, Mike. Um, I mean, it just... Are you live baiting, live baiting them, or are you cut baiting them? Or how, what's, the, what's, the, uh, what's on the menu? On the, for the gag grouper right now, you know, with all this rain, if you guys have noticed, it's been pretty rainy and pretty windy. I tell you, man, it's been tough to get oh, out. Right. So we, we've been the trips in the bay. It's been too dirty right now for me to sight cast to the permit because that's another thing that I really love about permit fishing. It's the sightability of the fish. I don't care if you're fishing for crappie. If you can watch that fish eat your bait, it's a thrill in its own, yeah, no regardless no. if it's a crappie or a permit or a black marlin or whatever it might be. But, um, you know, so the water's been dirty. So what happened was I always think if we have a major weather event, right, and when somebody says a major weather event, to me the first thing that comes to my mind is wind. Right. If we have a big front that comes through, we have a tropical storm that comes through. God forbid if we have a hurricane come through, it changes the deck. Well, what I've noticed also is it doesn't have to be just a wind event. It can also be a rain event. I mean, I don't know if you guys realize how much rain we've had lately, but it's been like, Epic. I mean, monsoon yeah. here, really. For sure. Tropical rain pouring and pouring. So what I did was I took, you know, a little bit of knowledge that I have doing this stuff saying, hey, if I have a big wind event, if I have a rain event, if I have some type of change, I said, I'm going back to blocking and tackling X's and O's, basics. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to my high relief. That's what I've always been trained to do. You get a big blow, 
water gets dirty, whatnot, fish go to these high reliefs. So we started going up to these high reliefs about three weeks ago when this rain started, and basically it doesn't seem to have stopped. We went to the high relief areas, and I was getting pinfish, and I'm freelining them back over the high structure, and my, we're just absolutely crushing them. I mean, just we're doing 40, 60 fish a day, That's doing crazy. it with you know, teen fish over 24 inches. We do have a um, you know a strict limit on the on the boat. We only allow one gag keeper a person you know to take back to the marina, and we only you know fish three people. It's a special special fishery, and I don't want to pound it too much. For sure. So we keep it to one fish. You know, and Ian, you and I have talked about this, and we could have a podcast. Most of the fishermen and almost every captain I know, we really restrict our catches and our limits, right? The one guy always used to say, don't catch your limit, limit your catch. And that's really what we're doing in the bay. It's such a special fishery. We're going out, you can catch 40 to 60 of them, but only bring one nice fish back per person. That's a lot of food, man. A 30-inch gag is a lot of food to feed you, you know? So we've been doing that, and um, we've been, you know, we've been averaging probably 40 gags a trip. In wow. in about three hours, That's doing insane. this, That's and went back to blocking and tackling. You know, major weather event. Let's go to high relief. Let's drift. And it's been so dirty. I didn't even know. You know, if dead bait was going to work or live bait. But boy, we've been throwing pinfish in front of them, Mike. And it's I'm telling you, yeah. And I know you've been up to to the north of us. But I mean, a thirty inch gag in fifteen feet of water is a pretty amazing fight. It's an amazing They're, fight, true, no doubt. You know. And so that's what I looked at. We've had bad weather. I still have to run my trips. Let's go out to tarpon bite. I can't see the tarpon. I can't see the permit. So let's go gag group or fishing. And it's been uh, it's been amazing, man. That's awesome. Absolutely best summers that I've ever seen for gag group or fishing in the bay. Well, you know what's, in, what's interesting just, is I, is is in 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 my you know in the seminar series and the podcast and the radio show when I all whenever I get a chance to sit down with guys that I consider to be the best of the best. It's it's the attention to detail. It's putting all these interesting pieces of the puzzle together um, and, and their ability, ability to look at the big picture. You know, I, I'm talking to Jamie Goodwin a lot of time. It's it's water temperature and, and um, you know, can be water clarity uh, at times. But again, it's it seems like it's so detail oriented. You know, I'll, 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 meet Jamie after a trip and be like, man, I just came around the corner and the bite just went crazy and I couldn't, I'm not sure why all those fish were there today. They weren't there yesterday. And Jamie would be like, well, you had this tide in the middle of last night. So that water's now about three degrees cooler than the water over here and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, okay, I get it. You know, the ability to put those pieces of the puzzle together on the spot real quick and figure them out. I think that separates the men from the boys in the fishing world. A lot of good charter captains out there, but the really, really great ones, they have that innate ability to really put the pieces of the puzzle together. And you got to pay attention. I mean, you really do. And the the other part on that, especially when you're getting up in, in age, write it down. My land, <laughs> write it down. Have a journal. Have your captain. I know it sounds kind of, you know, honky-tonk with, with smartphones and all this stuff, but truly, how I mean, how detailed is your captain's log? Yeah. The more detailed your captain's log is, the more information. That, and because all we're doing is an educated guess, right? I mean, we're trying to take out all the variables, put in all the inputs that we know, and let's figure this thing out. Boy, it really helps to, to go and see the written word 
you know, three years ago or four years ago, we had the same rain events. Do you remember that? Like three years ago, it did nothing but rain, but it was the whole month of July right. that it rained. Right. And I went to it, looked at it. Tarpon fishing was slow. Gag grouper, gag grouper bite was surprising. Permit was non-existent. I don't think they liked the fresh water. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what? I'm going gag fishing. Let's go. And it was the same thing. That's what sparked it. Then, you know, the realization of the bay is absolutely filthy. The baits are scattered all around. The big fish are going to be on your high structure, your high relief. So I did have that information. We went over there, proper technique, proper baits, and we've been stroking them. So put it together. So it's, you know, my number one rule, fish where the fish live. Sometimes that gets pretty difficult, man, when you have a lot of wind, rains, and stuff like that moving stuff around. Well, and all, but, the, um, fishing, all be- the fishing pressure that we have here, too. You know, a lot of the fishing pressure that we have will move some fish around pretty quick, too. You know, you'll find a big school of redfish on a flat, you know, one week where they used to stay there. You'd have them for a month, month and a half. Right. They'd sit on a piece. Right. They don't, but if they sit there for a week, you got real lucky, real lucky. Yeah, well, I was about them yet, right? Yeah. Well, you're exactly. On- if you're the first one on right. and for some reason you have them for more than a week, you should be pointing to the sky and, and saying hallelujah because they just, it, you just don't have them that long. Everything, the windows just seem to get shorter and shorter as those, you know. And again, it, when you're fishing deeper water, that helps. Um, but in some of the shallow water stuff that I do, it just, you, you have those fish for a small window. Usually if I find redfish now, I might have them for three days. You might have them for three days. But anything longer wow. than that, and you're just like, wow, I cannot believe those fish are still here. And sometimes they don't go all that far, but you still got to go find them again. You know, that's kind of the way they work. But 100 yards difference. <laughs> I mean, 100 yards can be. Oh. Well, I got good news for you. The, you know, the big redfish have shown up. Oh, yeah. Because um, we've catching them this week. And, you know, I don't, I'm not on the flat. So I'm in the passes and whatnot. And um, them big schools are coming in. We probably caught. You know, for me, I say they're coming in. We caught a half a dozen, but they're by accident. We're not targeting the big red fish, but these are all over slot, over 30-inch fish, too. So I think the big bulls are coming in. I know they are. I don't know how thick they are where you guys are fishing on them on the flats, but if they're coming into the passes, they're heading your way. Yeah, we've seen some. We've We've been catching some here and there, so you know that those fish have kind of pushed in. I heard the upper bay. You know, one of the things that's interesting about redfish um, and, and I actually learned this from, uh, you know, one of the West Coast legends and Captain Scott Moore, um, him and Jamie Goodwin both. Uh, when we get these big rain events, when you get a ton of fresh water in the bay, redfish put their nose into that fresh water. I don't know what it is, um, but it's what they do. Uh, I guarantee you up on the upper end of Tampa Bay, uh, I guarantee you there's big schools of redfish up there right now. I heard the bite at Weedon Island's really good up north of the causeway. I heard all that stuff's really good, as it normally is in September. Um, and again, it has everything to do with, for some reason, when we get a ton of fresh water in the bay, and redfish will put their nose into that fresh water and head towards it. I don't, why exactly? I don't know. I don't know if it's something to do with the fresh water pushing the crabs out of the mangroves and it creates a you know giant buffet for them or what it is, but something in the, in the estuary pushes them redfish towards that fresh water. I don't know why. But you know, I was day. excited rain we got because I want the whole bay to get flushed. You know, why not? Let's let's put a couple extra million gallons of fresh water and just flush the whole bay out. And then, I mean, because we get a lot of stagnant water up there. And everybody was like, oh, I don't know if we want all the, you know, all the rains, all the rains. I'm like, you know what? I think it's going to be good for us. I really do. Time will tell on that. But you're telling me the redfish are coming in. I'm seeing all the fishes in the passes coming in. 
it hasn't hurt. You know, the, the water might be dirty, man, but they're chilling. You know, if you can find them and you can look in your captain's log and know where to go, it's been pretty good. Now, maybe a month from now, time will tell. It's not going to be good for us. But right now, I think all this big, you know, this big flush that we have has done done good for the bay. We'll, well see can, what happens. It can get a little challenging when the water's as tannic as it is. It gets a little challenging to see your redfish on the flats. You know, that's sometimes right, where that's, that game changes, where, you know, you, it's harder to see them big belly rolls and things like that that give those schools of redfish away, um, especially if those fish are just moving and you're not getting the belly rolls much and it gets even harder in that tannic environment. So that can be a little bit um, that can be a little bit challenging. But uh, something interesting that I heard recently was um, Captain Ozzy Fisher, uh, again, you know, a guy that I put in that top 10 guides on the west coast of Florida, uh, along with yourself and several others. Um, he claims that the amount of bait that he is seeing down there in Pine Island Sound, just off the beach there in front of Captiva and all that is the greatest amount of bait he's ever seen, ever. Mm. And that area was completely devastated, as a lot of us know, by the red tide. Got absolutely crushed by the red tide a year ago. Um, So that's really encouraging. And if that area can bounce back that quickly, then that gives me great hope for, you know, the Tampa Bay region, which didn't get the red tide nearly as bad as they did to the south of us. Um, but if all of that can bounce back and recover fairly quickly, um, that's a good sign for this fishery, I think. And I, and all you know, indications are pointing up. I mean, it looks like we're going to have a great fall. I mean, like you're saying, the Aussie's got all kinds of baits down there. The Skyway's full of baits. It's yeah. full of fish. You know, the the big redfish are coming in. I personally like to see this big rain event to wash everything up and reshuffle the deck. Um, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm not smart enough to know what, you know, how much fresh water come, you know, the bay can handle and all that. But I know one thing, you want to wash off your driveway and stuff, big rain really helps. <laughs> Flush the bay out, the fish are responding, you find them, it might be more challenging, Mike, but man, once you find them, they're eating. Yeah. I mean, they're just eating, eating, eating. And, you know, normally in these big rain events and stuff that we have, the wind events, I will go back to a spot that I've been catching my fish on, but it seems like they reload, you know, dark, dirty, especially with the grouper. They're coming back to my wrecks that I go. I've only been hitting like three wrecks, and we're going to be catching about 20, 25 fish per wreck, and then we'd move on. So, you know, we don't want to shut it down. We leave them biting. But I think with these conditions, you can go back and back and back, and then once that bite starts to die off, then the fish start to spread out. You know, when, they, when you have normal patterns, you know how difficult it is to track the fish. Sure. They'll move here from pressure, move there. But with this dirty water, the rains that we've had, you know, the bait congregating up, high structure, high relief, the bite has just been absolutely. And I've been doing this a long time, and I've been taking a lot of the same guys out. When my guys are telling me, Glenn, this is the best group of fishing, best red fishing, best permit fishing that I've ever done with you. That's saying something, you know, I mean, it truly is. I'm looking at the fish that we're catching and I'm shaking my head saying, is this true? I mean, it's kind of hard to believe right now. That's how good it's been. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got guys that I haven't heard from in years calling me saying, dude, your group of bites, unlike anything we've ever seen. (laughs) Like, well, come on. Come on. You can look at the fixer. You know what I mean? (laughs) Come and get you some. (laughs) You know, you want to get that so, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the fall. Um, I'm really excited about everything that's going on. I really am. You know, hopefully we don't have any big hurricanes come in and whatnot. We can't control that. But, you know, if we do have them, you have to know 
how to handle it. You know what I'm saying? When the conditions change, you got to change with the conditions. Yeah. But those fish aren't going to be what you're looking at the last time, that's for sure. But do your homework, you know, know what their structure is, what they like and whatnot. And uh, I remember after Hurricane Katrina, I had a couple of buddies of mine that were living in like Mobile, Alabama. Like day two or three after the hurricane went through, they said it was the best bite that they've ever had offshore. Wow. Best bite ever they've ever seen. Down there, blue marlin were, were there, the red snapper. And we're talking two or three days after that horrific hurricane came through. Wow. You know, it might change, but the fish are still there and they're going to be biting. Yeah, sure. Shuffles know, the deck. It shuffles the deck. And that's why I always say, you know, have your captain's log. Go back to basics. You know, training camp is right now. What are they, what are they, you know, stressing in training camp? Get your basics done, your X's and O's, blocking and tackling and whatnot. You get all that and you go back to basics. The fishing can be amazing. After a big blow, after a big rain event, that's when I want to go. Even if it's still nasty out. Like if offshore, if we have a big north, you know, northeaster come in or northwest storm come in, two days afterwards, even if it's still three feet, get out to your highest wrecks. Get out to your highest ledges. Those ledges that everybody knows about, the eight-foot ledges, the ten-foot, the fish are stacked on there. But they want to get out of the weather as well. Exactly. All right? We want to, or they want to get out of the weather too. They're not going to stay in there for long. If you're there first, it can be pretty amazing. Take advantage. It can be of pretty. It. Are you? Yeah. Take. Are you seeing any trout at all? You know what's has, has that it's, come in? It's interesting that you say that because uh, with the with the pathetically slow tide here the last couple of days, um, I have I have been fishing some deep grass, just trying to get a bite going. Uh, some of my snook spots have been a little slow, so at some point during the day, I'm like, you know what? Let's just stop here. Mackerel, bluefish, you know, speckled trout see what we got and i'm the flats the deep flats are really live right now both uh on the on the other south side of the bay over there by man key that stuff that's out in front of bishop's harbor i fished some of that yesterday and that stuff was really alive again bluefish and ladyfish and speckled trout uh, the stuff out by the clam bar was really good on our side on the st pete side of the bay um again nothing really huge um, but lots of stuff. Yesterday, I was just throwing artificials, just throwing paddle tails, uh, mirror lure marshmallows, and you know every other cast you were catching another fish, and it was a variety. We caught some of the small grouper, we caught some mangrove snapper over the grass. You know, just trying to mix it up, drift across the grass. You got that light east wind, just let it you know drift you across the deep grass, five to about eight foot of water. Um, but I was really encouraged to start seeing those speckled trout showing up again because my trout bite has not been great. Um, and that might be the fish that I think got its keister kicked the worst in the red tide from last year, uh, the way the numbers look anyway for me. Um, but it, it, the last couple of days have been absolutely encouraging, and I don't know if that's part of the royal flush that's bringing those fish back in um, or what the deal is, but uh, it's been a little bit better for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would encourage all the listeners right now, go fishing, because you know, we needed something to change. You know, you know how it is. It's the dog days of summer. Nothing Absolutely. changes. The past, it has changed. And, you know, it's kickstart. You don't know when the kickstart's going to be, right. right? I mean, we know in our eyes, you know, the kids are back in school and all that kind of stuff. Daylight savings time and stuff. But for the fish, you need some type of event to happen. And I'm telling you, it's um, it's been fantastic. And that's, that's great news. You know that I have a dock, and sometimes I call it the magic dock. 
and we sit there and we put baits out and I, I rig it, you know, the old Reddington pier style where we snag a rod and then we get like another bait and we use it as an outrigger. So we'll slide a bait down. So I'll have a rag, a rod snagged out there and then I'll have another rod with a live bait and I'll have like a clothespin that snaps on it. Right. So it's just sitting there dangling, right. always in the perfect, you know, right. So yeah. I've got one rod out there snagged with the sinker on there. I get another rod. I put a clip on there. And then I slide my bait out so it's sitting there just like a kite bait right off my dock. Well, we, that's why I asked you about the trout because I couldn't keep them off. I mean, I'm using 80-pound test because normally on my magic dock, I'm tarping and Kobe fishing. That's, you know, I might wait all day, right. but normally when you know, get one or two to, to come by. The trout were sitting there eating my 80-pound leader and my eight-odd hook and a giant, you know, piggy fish on there. That's right. what they were coming up eating. Wow. Like, I have I haven't caught them off my, off my, off the magic dock. So I was like, you know what? The flush, I think has jump started everything. The jacks have been, I don't know if you've seen them. Yeah, jacks you've out seen there. the jacks. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are, some of them are like 20 pounders out there. Schools <laughs> of them, two pounders up to 20 pounders. And I'm like, I haven't seen them, you know, except for the last couple of weeks. Everything that I've seen has been in the last two weeks. And I fished, in the last two weeks, I fished 11 out of 14 days. So, I mean, I've seen trout coming in. I haven't seen any tarpon, really. Permit, I haven't looked for, but the trout off my dock, the tarpon are, are you know, swimming up and down the, the canals and stuff where they're supposed to be. But I haven't seen any at the bridge. But the gag group are fishing. Offshore, you know, Billy went yesterday and had a tremendous bite with the amberjacks and the mangrove snapper. And, you know, if you could get away from the American Reds, you know, they wouldn't, you know, tire you out so much. But people are worried about whether or not this weather has affected the, the bite. It has in a positive way. Maybe it'll be the same in two weeks. Maybe it won't be. But you know what? Get out there and find out. No doubt. That's all, the only way you All good, positive stuff, know. my brother. Tell me and our listeners how, if they want to book a trip with you and and uh, the sea farmer, how, how can they get that done? What's the best way to reach you guys? The easiest way is to reach me on my cell phone. It's um, 727-742-2501. Or look me up on Instagram or Facebook. You know, Captain Glenn Taylor, I'm all over there. Either way, but um, you know, if you guys want to go and do the inshore gag group or fishing, you know, mangrove snapper fishing, we're doing that. If you want to run offshore and do the amberjack, look for some tuna. And we even had black and tuna showing up after this big, this wow. big rain. I'm like, that's it's been awesome. You know, caught <laughs> three or four sailfish, whatnot. So we truly can fish you from the bay to 70, 80 miles out, and whatever you guys want to catch, man, we can definitely uh, target. I think we're going to look for some African pompanos next week. We've got, you know, in my logbook that I was looking at, we had a really good African pompano bite at coming off this full moon for the last couple of years. So um, I think we're going to go out there to the springs. That's the wonderful part about this, Mike. We can go fish the flats or go fish some deep water springs out there, go grouper fishing in the bay. we got so many different varieties that we can catch and, and target. It's a pretty special area for that. And love to take some of those guys out and show you how we do it. You're one of the best in the business, my brother. I appreciate uh, all you've done in helping me film some great shows, uh, all you do uh, spiritually to uh, help keep all of us kind of balanced a little bit, uh, your big smile, your big personality at the marina, all that stuff is a blessing, my friend. Thanks for spending a little time with me today. I appreciate you. Hey, Mike, and man, the pleasure is all mine, and uh, God bless and tell your listeners, everybody out there, man, have a great week. Get out there and catch a fish, buddy. Man, Captain Glenn Taylor, just a ton of energy out of that guy. Um, just incredible 
love and passion for the sport of fishing. Again, one of the best on the west coast of Florida. I've filmed some incredible shows with that guy. And we did a permit show one day. It was just absolutely bonkers, ridiculous, crazy. Uh, I made a I've made deep runs with him for Big Mango Snapper and Big Guy Grouper, and uh, I've done some nearshore stuff with him for large Mango Snapper where you wouldn't even think they would be, you know, on a very public piece, you know, as Glenn was talking about in the, in the podcast there. I mean, the guy is just really, really talented. Again, detail-oriented, incredible, incredible fisherman, Captain Glenn Taylor. The Real Animals Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Three important things. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Again, that really helps the Real Animals podcast get found by more people. And uh, we would appreciate your help with that if you enjoy it, uh, helping us share it with some other anglers, uh, some other interested people in our podcast. Uh, Remember, we try to drop new podcasts each and every Tuesday. So I'll be looking for those to come your way. Remember, we are presented by Contender Boats. If you're looking to build that dream boat, that uh, custom boat that you've been thinking about, wanting to put together, nobody builds them better than our good friends at Contender Boats. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. We truly appreciate it. Influence Tampa Bay is always interested in adding new podcasts that are focused solely on the Tampa Bay area. If you have an existing podcast that fits the bill or have an idea that you want to bring to life, email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. Radio Influence and Radio Influence Tampa Bay. The future is now.